If you have your Bibles, we'll be in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, we continue our uh, series through parables, parables of Jesus. If you don't have your Bible with you, the words will be on the screen. Let's read together. Luke writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the very words of God. It says this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. This is the word of the Lord. I remember the, one of the first times I ever saw a homeless man. I was around 10 years old, and uh, me and my dad were driving somewhere, and he was you know, in the intersection there, and dirty clothes, and his face was dirty, and he had his cardboard sign, and and my dad pulled some cash out of his wallet to give to this guy to help him out. Um, and I remember feeling compassion and broken for this guy and, and all these kinds of feelings and, uh, and, and glad that my dad helped him. And, and when we kind of went through on, on with our day. And then later that day, we were at the gas station and I was sitting there in the car. And my dad was pumping gas and, and I looked over as this other car pulled in and this guy gets out and it was a nice car. And a guy gets out, nice clothes on. And when he turned around, I was like, Ooh, it's the same guy. It was the guy, the homeless guy from earlier. And immediately I felt duped, tricked. Realized that this guy was a fraud. He was a fake. He didn't need our help. He was doing just fine. So often we meet people in our lives who aren't who they say they are. And maybe it's not that situation, but maybe you have people in your life who said they were your friend. But when you needed them, they weren't there. They, weren't, they proved not to really be your friend. Maybe there are people in your life who always told you that they had your back. But when you needed them to have your back, when push came to shove, they weren't there. They didn't have your back. Can't tell, tell you how many times that I've had people in my life uh, say to me, oh yeah, Brent, we'll be there to help. Or, oh yeah, we'll, we'll be there to help out. We'll, we'll, we'll do this or we'll do that only to find out them not show up or not to come follow through on what they said that they would do. They were frauds. They said one thing, but yet their actions proved they didn't actually mean what they said. In your life, you've probably seen people who their actions have proven that they weren't your friends. They didn't have your back. They didn't show up. We've all heard the sayings, talk is cheap. You, you can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? Actions speak louder than words. We all know these sayings because they're true, because at the end of the day, anyone can say anything. Words only matter in as much as they are followed by actions. Words only matter in as much as they're followed up by actions. Our first step in following Jesus, to be sure, the most important step in following Jesus involves words. It is a declaration where we confess our sins, ask for forgiveness, and proclaim that Jesus is Lord. Those are words we need to speak. They're vastly important words. They're necessary words. You cannot be saved without such words. 
But throughout the centuries, people have said those words, have proclaimed Jesus as Lord, and yet, over time, proved themselves not to belong to God. Many, many people today will go and we'll post on social media, we'll, we'll share somebody's status, or we'll write the status, proclaiming with boldness and conviction the truths of God. We'll stand up against the world and, and hold these truths post our undying loyalty to God and his ways. But how easy is it to hit the share button? How easy is it to type some words on a screen that the echo chamber of your followers will say, amen, yes. Talk is cheap. Words are easy. Posts on social media are easy. Words backed up by actions, much harder, much more rare. Because while we enter the faith through words, through confession and proclamation, it is in fact our actions, specifically our obedience to Jesus, that proves our words to be true. It is our actions that prove our words to be true. It is our obedience that confirm that what we say about Jesus is true. Obedience doesn't save you, to be sure. Obedience is, however, what saved people do. Obedience does not save you. Faith alone saves you, but obedience is what saved people do. You know, when I look at my life and I ask the question, Brent, do, are you genuine? Are you sincere? Do, do my, my actions back up my words? Do I simply walk, talk the talk or do I actually walk the walk? And as I look at my life, it can be a hard question to answer. Because my life, since the moment I began to follow Jesus, has been a roller coaster. It has been full of ups and downs. Uh, it has been full of seasons of great obedience and seasons of great rebellion. For example, when I was in high school, all of my plans were, were, were headed in the direction of becoming an electrician. I was doing all the, all, the thing, all the career center things, all the moves, all the internships to be an electrician, and that's where I was going, and that's what I was doing until one day at camp, I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, it's not like God spoke or something crazy like that, but rather I just felt this overwhelming sense of, Brent, I want you to go into ministry. I want you to preach. I want you to be a pastor. And I had a decision. I had to decide whether to obey that or do what was comfortable and easy and what I I had already decided to do. And in that moment, and all the way till now, I've been obedient and followed that. But there have been great moments of disobedience in my life as well. Moments where I'll be in a restaurant or in a coffee shop and I'll talk to a guy and I'll get this great impression, this great pull, this sense of of the Lord saying, hey, you need to share the gospel with this guy and I will chicken out. Or I'll be driving down the road seeing some uh, lady carrying all of her groceries walking down the side of the road and I'll feel this overwhelming sense of, man, I really should stop and give her or him a ride and I won't do it. There'll be times where I felt the call to be incredibly generous, but yet didn't do it because there was something that I wanted. There have been moments of great obedience in my life, but also moments of great disobedience in my life. Whether from fear or insecurity or selfishness or whatever, I have not always obeyed the Lord when he has called me to do something. There have been, like Paul says in Romans 7, there have been times I know I should do this, and I haven't. And there have been moments where I know I should not do this, and I have. My life is a complicated assortment of obedience to Jesus, and yet times of looking like a fraud, because my actions didn't match my words. And maybe, maybe when you look at your life, you would say the same is true of you. 
Maybe in your life there are moments and seasons of great obedience and faithfulness and moments and seasons of great disobedience and rebellion. If you're a follower of Jesus, obviously you've been obedient and professing the faith, professing him as Lord, hopefully being obedient, following him in baptism. Maybe you've been obedient in generosity or sharing the gospel, making disciples, loving your spouse, not forsaking the gathering in the church. Or maybe you have failed in obedience in some of these areas. Our lives as followers of Jesus, hear me say, are never going to be perfect until the day that Jesus returns and our faith becomes sight and he makes us new. Right now, if you saw our lives like on a line graph, our lives would not be like this straight uptick of kind of getting, oh, there's a little dip, a little dip, but we're going up. No, our lives would rather be like this. It'd be the craziest line graph ever because our lives are complicated. And our obedience and our following Jesus has good moments and bad moments. The question this morning is for you. Are you all talk or do your actions back up your words? We're going to look at this parable a little closer, and I want us to compare ourselves and ask the question, are we more like the man who builds his house on the rock foundation, or are we more like the man who has no foundation at all? First, when we come to this parable, we have to understand, why is Jesus telling this parable? What is the context? Why is Jesus telling it? There's all these people coming to Jesus, all these crowds, and they're excited. They're excited about Jesus and the things he's saying. They're cheering him on. And they even call him Lord. They call him the right title. They give him the right title. They give him the right designation. They call him Lord. But Jesus wants to make it clear that saying the right things doesn't matter matter unless you follow up those words with obedience. I want you to think about this. When someone calls Jesus Lord, logically they are saying that this guy is superior to me, knows more than me, higher than me, and I'm going to follow him, worship him, give him my life, surrender to him. And so how silly is it to call Jesus Lord and then not do what he asks? How silly is it when we say Jesus is Lord, but when he tells me to go that way, I'm actually going to go this way? Like Jonah. How weird is that? How silly is that? Like, Jesus, you are Lord. I'm just not going to do what you asked me to do. Verse 46, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Why? That's, that's, that's an interesting thing we can kind of like marinate on a little bit. Why? Why do you call me Lord and then yet don't do what I tell you to do? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Why do you call Jesus Lord if you're not going to do what he says? Why do you call Jesus Lord if you're only going to give lip service to him and not follow him in your action? Like, what's the point? Like, what's the reason? What's the motivation? Why just not do it at all? What's the point? Verse 47, he says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. I want you to notice the the progression of verbs in the sentence. Come, hear, does. Come, hears, does. Comes, then he hears, then he does. Everyone who comes and everyone who hears my words and then does them. See, coming and hearing, not enough. Coming and listening, not enough. Coming, listening, and knowing something, not enough. Coming, listening, knowing, 
doing sets us apart. So the person, so Jesus can say, so the person who comes and hears and then does in obedience, he is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. I want you to notice two things about this first guy. First, obedience to Jesus results in an unshakable life. When you are obedient to Jesus, it will result in, uh, for you in an unshakable life. You see, when you realize that Jesus' ways are higher than your ways, that he knows what he is doing, he knows what he is asking of you, that when you understand that he knows that what he's asking of you is hard, but it's worth it and it's for your good. Translation, when you know that Jesus is Lord of lords and King of kings, then you submit, you obey, you act, you follow, you do what he calls you to do even when it's hard. When he says, I want you to pick up your family and, 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 and quit your job and sell your house and move across the world. When he says, I want you to walk across the room and talk to this person. When he says, I want you to open your pocketbook up a little more. When he says, I want you to stop your car and pull over and help that person. Whatever it is, I want you to do it when he says, we obey. We obey. Why? Because Jesus is building your life on a firm foundation. You may not understand why he is calling you to do what he's calling you to do at the time. It may be and may look against every worldly advice. Like Jesus is saying, I want you to go this way. And everyone in the world says, that is crazy. Why would you do that? And yet, we obey because we know that Jesus is for our good. And when we obey, we find our life firmly planted and rooted. So that when the storms come, when difficult days come, as they always do come, they will shake you but not break you. You might bend, but you won't break. Verse 48, when the flood arose and the stream broke against that house, it could not shake it because it had been well built. The only way to have a life that is built well, a life that is firmly built on the rock, is to be obedient to Jesus, to do what he says, to not just give your words, but your whole life to him, and it results in an unshakable life. Words cannot build a life like that, only obedience can. The second thing I want you to notice about this guy is that obedience to Jesus takes work. Like, it takes work. Like, it's not easy. There are, notice there are two houses in this story, and it, both houses could look exactly the same. The only difference is the foundation. The only difference is what you can't see. Now today, when we build a house, you go out there and pour a big concrete slab. We can go build our own foundation on whatever we want. But back then, you, you couldn't do that. You had to find the right spot and the right kind of dirt. And then you had to dig the dirt away and find rock underneath so you could build it on a firm foundation so that when the, the dirt shifted, your house wouldn't fall apart. It took work to dig the hole. Put your house on, and building your life on the rock is no different. Let me be clear. Following Jesus is not easy. Following Jesus will cost you everything. Anyone who comes to Jesus thinking that now their life is, a, is about to get a whole lot easier has been greatly misinformed of what Jesus is calling them to do. It is why the prosperity gospel preachers are so dangerous. The Joel Osteen's. The, the Joyce Myers, who preached this message contrary to what Jesus did, that they, they say, if you follow Jesus, you'll be wealthy. Follow Jesus, you'll be blessed. 
You'll get riches and you'll finally get married and, and you'll have power and influence. You'll get these physical things. That's not what Jesus says. He says, if you want to follow me, you must lose your life. You want to follow me, you've got to die. You want to follow me, you're going to be persecuted. You want to follow me, they're going to hate you. Following Jesus is not easy. Following Jesus is hard. Being obedient to Jesus is difficult because so often people in your life are going to think you're weird and strange. Obedience, obedience takes work. It is hard, but it is worth it. Because in the end, your life is built on the rock. You won't get knocked down when life tries to shake you. You will have great hope. You will have great joy. You will have great peace. You will have the things that, quote unquote, prosperity or money cannot buy you. In the face of great hardships, you will stand tall. Like the disciples who after they get arrested for preaching about Jesus, they get beaten and flogged and whipped and warned within an inch of their life not to do it again, and they walk out singing praise of thanks to God because they were counted worthy to suffer. That's so strange, right? Your back is still bleeding from the whips, and yet you're saying thank you. Following Jesus is hard, but it is worth it. See, strange things happen when we obey Jesus as Lord. We find that obeying him was super difficult, super hard, but it was more rewarding than anything else in our life. And after we're done, we can't wait for the next call to obey, no matter how hard it might seem. See, Jesus gives us this first character of building his life on the rock, but then he gives us a character to contrast it with. See, the second guy hears the word, but he doesn't do it. He doesn't listen. He doesn't obey. There are words from his mouth, but no actions. He's like a man who builds his house on a ground with no foundation. This man, he could have built a mansion. He could have built a house of, of gold and silver. It could have been huge. It could have been the finest, fanciest, biggest house in the world, but it had no foundation. First time I really saw houses where this was a problem was in New Orleans. We were down in New Orleans with the church doing some work, and, and we were walking on the sidewalk. And the first thing that was weird was when you walk on the sidewalk, like it was like, the, like a roller coaster. Like you're walking, all of a sudden the sidewalk's like this, and then it's like this, and then it's like doing this number. And you're like, man, the city needs to get on this. But as we were walking along, I, I kept seeing these houses that were literally jacked up on jacks. And I, I finally asked, I said, man, what, what's going on with all these houses? Why are they being jacked up? Are they like moving them? Are they tearing them down? What's going on? They said, no, but because New Orleans is all sand. But every few, every few years, they got to jack the houses up, and they come out with this big, big tube, and they just spray sand under it. <laughs> How crazy is it that when you build your house on, a, on the sand, on no foundation, that you constantly have to go back and add something you know is going to fail again? You build your life on no foundation, you're constantly having to try to put something un under there to hold you up, knowing that it's going to fail. And when the storm comes, that house will not stand. When the storms come in your life, your life will not stand, you will fall. See, no matter how elegant or passionate or sincere your words are, they will never result in a life built on a firm foundation. Words can build beautiful lives, but they can't build secure ones. Your foundation won't hold. 
You know, there's lots of imagery in the Bible about rocks. Like Peter, Jesus is like, I'm gonna build my church on you, the rock. Jesus, the cornerstone. In the Old Testament, there's, they set up rocks as monuments all the time. It's Ebenezer, we would sing, come thou fount. There's all these stories about rocks. But one in particular jumps out to me, the story of Meribah. The story of Meribah is this, this moment where Moses is in the wilderness with all the Israelites, and the Israelites are complaining again and again and again, and God tells them, I'm going to take care of you. I got, I'm going to feed you bread from heaven and, or, or meat, or I'm going I'm to take care of you. And again and again and again, they don't trust and they don't obey, and they grumble. And Moses is sick and tired of it. And finally, God comes to Moses and he says, Moses, I want you to take your rod. He's got a big staff he's got, which is a symbol of the justice and judgment of God. He says, I want you to take that. I want you to walk right through the middle of all of my people. And there's this rock. And I want you to take the staff and I want you to hit the rock. And Moses is like, yeah, it's about time. And I don't know what Moses thinks is going to happen, but I imagine he thinks he's going to hit it like the big shock wave is going to come and just like knock everybody out. But he's ready. He goes and he takes, takes this, this staff and he's going to hit the rock and he goes, boom, and water comes out. And he, Moses has got to be sitting there scratching his head like, what, what is this? And everybody's coming and drinking. They were thirsty in the desert and they're drinking and, they're, and, and God is taking care of them. And Moses is like, this is what, what's supposed to happen. God, you're supposed to like punish these people for disobeying you. Why are you quenching their thirst? You see, we know something Moses didn't. 1 Corinthians 10.4 speaks of this story. And it says, and they all drank from the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Jesus, hear me guys, Jesus is the rock. He is the unbreakable foundation. And yet, Jesus was struck with the rod of God's justice and was broken. Jesus was treated like the man who built his house with no foundation and he was torn apart so that as we fail again and again to build our lives on the right foundation, God can again and again show us grace and mercy. Our lives are never going to be marked by perfection until Jesus comes, but our lives can be marked growing in obedience by learning not just to say the right things, but do the right things. We can be marked by obeying Jesus even when it's hard or even when it doesn't make sense. But here is how we're going to do it. The way we're going to be discipled and grow together, the way that we're going to follow him in greater obedience is not by just saying, okay, it's time. I'm going to white knuckle this thing. I'm going I'm I'm to lace up my bootstraps. I'm going to try harder. Not going to work. You're going to fail. Here's the only way you're going to do it. Only when you build your life on the one who has given his life for you will you ever be secure enough to try and obey and fail and get up again. Only when you know that you're firmly planted on the rock of Christ and that when you try to obey sometimes and fail, will you still be secure because he will hold you. Only then will you feel the, the confidence to go out on a limb, to go and try to obey, to go do weird things for him. Oh, now, if you fall on your face, it'll be okay. Not only that, only when you see that Jesus has given you 
everything, that the Son of God came and bore the wrath of God for you, only when you see he's given you everything, will you then be able to risk your life for him? Only when you see him give you his life will you be able to give him your life. You don't have to be perfect, and you won't be. But you can strive and work hard to obey all the Lord commands you. And what you will find in the end is that God's commands are not a burden, but a delight. Because Jesus is working to build not a house, but a life, your life, on himself. The rock that won't move no matter what storms you face or what storms you by your foolishness jump into. Jesus, the rock, won't move. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is. On what foundation have you built your life? Are you all talk? Or have you built your life on the rock of Christ through obedience to him? Now, you may be here this morning, and you would say to me, Brent, I want to obey Jesus. I want to follow him. I just don't know how. Let me give you two quick things. One, there will be times and seasons and moments in your life where you will feel this pull, this desire, this call to do something. Do not fight it or suppress it, because then it will be harder to hear. Instead, listen to it. Pray about it. Like, maybe talk to somebody about it. Make sure you're not just hungry, right? Make sure it's from the Lord. And then once you feel confident that the Lord is calling you to do something, do it. And you will find that it might be the most difficult thing that you ever do. But in the end, you will find that it was satisfying and rewarding. And so listen and heed and obey those moments where you just feel compelled to do something. When it's out of your comfort zone. I'm looking at Jim Gast right here. Thinking about how, however many years ago, this man doesn't know anything about basketball, and he decides, you know what, the Lord's calling me to do upward. And for however many years, had upward here and seen all these kids served and loved and come to know Jesus. I think about people who uh, have done VBS throughout the years and thought, I don't know how to run a VBS, but I'll try. People who thought, you know what, I've never been out of this country, but our church is going to Africa, and I'll go buy a plane ticket, and I'll go do what I can. The Lord calls and you say, yes, I'm going to go do that. That's the first way. Second way. We have this whole book. And every word is from Jesus. And there are plenty of commands in it. Plenty of things that God has called us to do. Did you know that you do not need butterflies or a feeling or a pull in your stomach, uh, in your heart, to go share the gospel with somebody? Like God has already commanded you to make disciples. You don't have to wait to be called to go share the gospel with your neighbor. God has already commanded you to do it. You don't have to wait to be called to forgive that person who has hurt you. God has already commanded you to do it. You do not have to wait to be called to be generous with your time, with your money. God has already called you to do it. And so don't wait around for a feeling. Know his word and know what he's called you to do and let's go do it. Is your life marked by growing obedience to Jesus or is it marked by shallow and empty words? Let me ask you this and we'll be done. What would it look like if all of us laid aside our preferences, our opinions, even our fears, and together we all said, hey, let's try to obey Jesus the best we can, link arms and help each other do it. What would become of our church? 
What would become of your family? What would become of our community? And what would become of you? I think it is safe to say that we, that you, that us would never be seen as frauds, but as pillars, as rocks, as unmoving and unshakable. And when the world sees you standing firm in the face of adversity, in the face of the storm, they won't just see you. They will see the man you are standing on. God, you are good. We come this morning standing on your shoulders and your shoulders alone. Jesus, you are the rock that we place our life on. It is our obedience to you that firmly plants us. But Lord, sometimes we, we, we have a hard time being obedient. Sometimes it is difficult. Give us the strength and the courage to follow you wherever you would call us and lead us. Give us the strength to, to follow what you have laid out for us in your word. If there's anyone here who does not know you, who has never given their life to you, Lord, give them the strength this morning to confess you as Lord and to lay uh, their sins at your feet. You will wash them clean. God, we love you so much. In Christ's name we pray. All those people said?